want to speak to you this morning on the topic, little becomes much. Little becomes much in the master's hand. Mark's gospel, chapter 6. I'm going to read one verse, and then we're going to walk through the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Mark's gospel, chapter 6, verse number 37. And the Bible says, but he, Jesus, answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. I want everyone to read that, la- that line with me this morning. You give them something to eat. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the proclamation of his word. I ask this in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. How many of you ever wanted to see money multiply? How many of you want to see money multiply? <laughs> like you just, you know, open a wall. Oh, <laughs> The day I opened, I had a $20 bill that I hid behind my license, and I forgot all about it. And did you ever do that? You, like, you forget. You put, like, a $20 bill, and then I, ooh, <laughs> lunchtime. <laughs> There's a principle in investing called uh, compound interest. It's the investor's best long-term friend. And long-term friends are really important. It's called the miracle of money management. Albert Einstein once said that the most powerful force in the universe was the principle of compound interest. Money invested, occurring interest over a long period of time accelerates and produces far more, far more if you just save a little bit and you buried it. We're going to look at the story of Jesus today. We're going to look at the life of Christ, and we're going to look at the men that followed him. We're going to see God's spiritual compound interest program in our story in Mark's gospel. Excuse me, I'm just, I'm messed up here. Wow. In our story in Mark's gospel, we see some guys that were also messed up. You can read the beginning of the story. Jesus calls 12 men to himself, and he gives them authority. In verses 6 and 7, Jesus actually, he, he sends them out. He gives them delegated authority to minister in the same power and the same miraculous and the same grace that he walked on planet earth. Jesus was the greatest leader that ever lived. The Bible says he sent them out and they did some powerful things. They healed sick people, they cast out devils, and they saw people's lives transformed. And what I love about the way Jesus does ministries, first of all, Jesus modeled it. He went out and did it. And then he calls these 12 guys alongside of him. And he says, now, I'm going to watch you go out and do it. Greatest leader, right? That's the principle of leadership. And then now you're, I'm going to send you out and do it. And that's what we have in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, our theme verse for the month. And you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit goes, comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. And so these men, they went out and they ministered, and, and, and they were pretty effective at it. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Bible says they not, only did, they not only did powerful deeds, but they had an incredible message. It was a message that reverberated. It rocked the people in their generation. It was simply this. Jesus said they went out and they preached that people should repent. Now, the word repentance isn't a popular word in our generation and culture today, but it literally means a change of the way that we think about God. In the Greek, the word is metanoia. It has to do with a change in the mind, a change in the mind and a perspective about who God is and what he desires to do. 
You see, when Jesus came into the world, he came to set men free from the power of the law of sin and death. Under the old covenant, God gave a very clear prescription. Here's 613 commands that I want you to obey. And there are a bunch of thou shall nots and don't do that and do this. But there's a lot of thou shall nots. And under the law, they were, they were forbidden to have idols. It was a, a negative command. But when Jesus showed up on planet earth, Jesus said, it's no longer a negative. I, I want you to accentuate the positive. That you're not going to have a bunch of gods. You're going to have one God. And you shall worship him and spirit and a church. Truth. The Old Testament said that they were never to take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. In the New Testament, they were commanded to go lift up his name with holy hands, praising him forever. In the Old Testament, they were commanded not to steal. But under the New Covenant, Jesus said, it is more blessed for a man to give than it is to receive. And so we see the ministry of these disciples in deed and in words. What America needs today, what the world needs today, is people who believe that this commission has never been rescinded. That the commission that gave these 12 the, and went to the 70 and then to the 500 that were first saved and the 3,000. And 2,000 years later, millions and millions of people around the planet identify with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior with the same commission. The same message and the same power to demonstrate God's love in our generation. And so these men had a very clear mission. But so we see Jesus entered into their world. The Bible says that when Jesus saw the people. Now, when the disciples administered like this, there was power. And multitudes of people were gathering. People were following them. They were the, they were the men of faith and power. They were the TBN stars of their day. People were clamoring around them. These young guys were popular. They were the hipsters. They had hair, and they spiked it up, and they wore the skinny jeans. And, you know, they were the cool dudes, man. People were coming out, and they were watching them and seeing what they were going to do. And they had great favor in their life. And the Bible says that they gathered around Jesus to tell him all that they had done and taught. They come back and they're going to share some stories. You heard the story today of Jeremy and Christina. I mean, there's nothing that touches our heart like the power of a story. And they were telling Jesus the stories of people's lives who were being changed. But they were tired. They had been ministering. They had been weary. They were, they were battling. They were battling spiritually, and they were wore out. And Jesus calls them to himself. Jesus calls these men to himself, and, and he says, guys, I want you to hang out. I want you to get some rest. I want you to go to a quiet place, and let's have a meal together. I mean, some, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life that I feel wore out, pushing hard, pressing hard, and, and Jesus is just calling me to get away with him. I love what Jesus told the disciples. He said, tell all the people, come unto me, all ye, all you that are heavy burdened, all the, you that are weighted down with the problems and the cares of this life, and I'll give you rest. There's a rest that's found when we are in right relationship with Christ. When we're hanging out with Jesus, the worries, the concerns, the burdens of this world, they can roll off our back, just like a water rolls off of a duck's back. And so Jesus calls him to himself. And then something happens here. The multitudes of people, you can read the story, the multitudes of people, they start gathering around Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus steps out. Jesus comes out and he sees this multitude and he was moved with compassion. Whew, why? Because he saw them like sheep without a shepherd. 
harassed and helpless. And so he began to teach them many things. See, Jesus demonstrated compassion to those who were hurting and those who were hungry. Now, there's thousands of people that have gathered, and Jesus is beginning to teach, and, and Jesus is a good preacher. He ain't just a good preacher. Jesus is the best preacher. You can take T.D. Jakes, Joel Osteen, Steve Furyk, you can, whoever you want to name, you can rap on all one. Jesus is better than them all. Greatest preacher that ever lived. He preached so long. He preached so long. We ain't going to preach that long this morning, but Jesus preached a long time. I've sat in some long services. Jesus preached the longest services probably on planet Earth. All day long, the people were weary. They were tired. They, they were hungry. Jesus was concerned about them. and So he's got a little test. Everybody say, this is just a test. Come on, just say, this is just a test. He's got a little test. He's got a test for his disciples. It's a, it's a little challenge. And in verse number 35 and 36, the Bible says, when the day was now spent, the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, you've been all, you've, it's been good, Jesus. That was great preaching, but a little bit long, Jesus. <laughs> An hour's late, and these people are hungry, and you send them away, Jesus, and we can't deal with these people. Ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. And Jesus, you send them out into the village, and they're hungry. And Look what Jesus says here. Jesus says, Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Oh, well, uh, Jesus, uh, no, no food court down the street. <laughs> God, Jesus, it's too late. All the restaurants are closed. We don't have any money. We don't have the resources. We can't do this. You know, the fact is we can't do it. It's impossible within our own will, our own strategies, our own sufficiency, our own strength to do something that only Christ can do. And Jesus called these guys out to serve, to take care of this need. But they couldn't do it. And they were right. You know, I look out at the world that we live in today. It's far more complex, far more complicated, far more difficult far more challenging than even when I was a child. I know every generation has its sets of challenges, but today every person on planet Earth just about can communicate, can talk to other people, has an opinion, and is able to express that opinion. We're more divided as a nation. We, we're so thankful for, America, for, for veterans today. We're so thankful for men and women that are willing to serve this great nation, but we're even divided at the very core of what it means to show honor to our veterans. It's a complicated world that you and I live in, and I look out at the world and I say, God, this is too big. The challenges are too great. So many people need help. So many people need encouragement. God, I can't do it. Hudson Taylor, a great missionary to China, once said, time and time again, he saw God do amazing things in the face of hopeless circumstances and murderous hostility. Reflecting on his experiences, he remarked, there are three stages in any work attempted for God. Impossible, difficult, and done. Impossible, difficult, and done. And so they had a problem, and their response to the problem was, Jesus, you send them away. But Jesus says, no, you're not going to put that monkey on my back. You're not going to take that problem out of my feet. You're going to take care of it. You give them Something to eat. Jesus is about to teach them the greatest lesson of faith that they're ever going to learn. You see, the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
the Bible declares, the just shall live by faith. Live by faith. Think about this. All four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, recount the story. The only other story that's told in all four Gospels is the crucifixion and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. This story made such an impregnable impact on the minds of the disciples that they had to tell the people. It was the story that really caused the fame of Jesus to explode. It, it caused this reality that many people thought that John the Baptist was this coming Messiah that the Jewish people were hoping for, but just days before this, his head had been chopped off. And now they realized, wow, there is someone greater than John the Baptist. John said, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. And Jesus' ministry is about to become famous. His name is about to become famous. And he was going to use his disciples to do it. So he tells them, I want you to go, go out. And they, they said to him, their response to Jesus, well, Jesus, shall we go out and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Are we going to spend that much on bread? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. Go and see. Go and check it out. Go, go see. Now you think about it. There's 5,000 men, 5,000 men, probably a bunch of women, a bunch of wives, and a bunch of kids. So potentially 10,000 scholars think maybe up to 15,000 people were there. You would think among 15,000 people, somebody bought a little basket of food, right? You'd think among 15,000, I mean, come on, I don't know a good mama that doesn't leave the house, especially if she, well, now maybe she didn't know she was going to be gone, but she got to have something in that purse. I mean, she's got to have a cliff bar, a piece of candy. There's got to be something down in that purse. Martha, bring that purse over here. We're dumping it out. We're trying to find food. And they find nothing. Now, I don't know if there wasn't any food, or maybe there just wasn't anybody willing to share their food. I, I, I don't know. I, the Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible is completely silent about it. But I don't know if there wasn't food, but no one was willing to share their food. No one except one little, tiny, young boy. Just see this contribution of this child. It's, the Bible says, and they found out that there was one, a little boy, he had five and two fish. John's gospel said another of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter, spoke up and said, here's the boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go? I mean, how can my little bit... How can the little act of kindness that I show another person really make a difference? How can my generosity of just bringing a food bag, and maybe I can't even afford that, but how can my little bit make such a difference? See, bread in the Bible is a metaphor. It's a spiritual metaphor. Jesus said to the disciples, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. And if you eat of this bread, you will never hunger again. Never hunger again. Jesus was about to take a couple little fish. Jesus commanded the disciples that they'd be fishers of men. All this imagery, all these metaphors taking place here. These five little loaves and this two small fish were about to rock their world. And how do you look at the problems of the world today? How do you look at the problems of the world? Seem too great, can't do anything about it, too difficult, too hard. Just want to bury your head in the sand and say, my life can't make a difference. I'm just going to take care of my four and no more. We're just going to have our little, little we're going to have our little holy club. And 
Is that how you approach it? Because the problems are great. The challenges are great. But I wish you say, God was willing to take one little child who was willing to share what he have and turn it into one of the, create, one of the greatest creative miracles that we see recorded in the New Testament. Because Jesus would take nothing, literally nothing, and turn it into something. And so we have a mission today. We have a mission. The problem is great. The challenges are worldwide. But we have a mission and a mandate from Christ. Jesus said, you are to take this good news, this hope of the kingdom of God, that lives should be trained, hearts shall be transformed, lives shall be made new again at the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will take this message to the whole world, to every ethnic group, to every people group, and then the end shall come. The opportunities are endless. There were 500,000 500, villages in India alone that have never heard the name of Jesus, never even heard the name of Jesus. There are 2.2 billion people on planet Earth that have never had the opportunity to hear the story of how Jesus comes to set the captive free, to bring hope to a lost and dying world. Over 2.2 billion people. Amazing. The opportunity is endless before us. There's a great challenge. There's a great challenge. So few Christians actually are involved in meeting the needs of bringing the gospel of Christ to our generation. <laughs> less than 1%. Less than 1% actually give actually share the bread of life with another person through their financial means. See, this little boy, he had a little, little Lunchable. Think about it. He had a little Lunchable. He brings this little gift, and he places it in the master's hands. See, it's not the size of the gift that determines its value. It's whose hand the gift is in. You could take a $39.95 basketball and you could put it into the hands of LeBron James and it's worth $400,000 a game. You could take a $12 baseball and you can put it into the hands of Justin Verlander, the, the, the superstar pitcher for the Houston Astros who just won the world championship. And you can put it in his hands. And that little $12 basketball is now worth $800,000 per start or $6,900 per pitch. You can take a $150 tennis racket and put it into the hands of Serena Williams and now it becomes millions. You could take, take spiritually, you could take one slingshot and five little stones and you put it into the hands of a shepherd boy by the name of David. And a giant comes down. And the armies of the Philistines are destroyed. You can take a, a, one wooden staff and put it in the hand of Moses. And the Red Sea's part. Or you can take a little lunch. And you can place it in the hands of Jesus. And it'll feed multitudes. It'll feed multitudes. Now Jesus has a plan. I, I, I'm glad Jesus has a plan. 
I'm just trying to figure out the right questions. Jesus has got the plan. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning. He's got it all figured out. I'm just trying. I tell people, if I can just stay in my lane and do my part, I'll be all right. If more people would just stay in their lane and do their part, they'd be all right. Now, Jesus has a command. The Bible says in verse number 39, he makes them sit down in, in groups on green grass. Don't you like that description there? Green grass. I mean, it's a springtime. Passover is coming. There's already kind of a party atmosphere. And the Bible gives us the description of what the, lands, the, the, the landscape actually looks like. And then he says, I want you to sit down in ranks of 50s and 100s. Jesus has a systematic plan to meet their needs. When we started City Church 18 years ago, we believed that, uh, uh, that if you don't have a plan, if you don't plan to give, you very seldom give. And so from the very beginning, not only did we receive tithes as a local church, but we also tithed back out to other ministries. We gave globally to missions, but we also supported other ministries locally, just like you saw Teen Challenge. For 18 years, we've been supporting Teen Challenge as a church because we believe in the power, not just of our ministry, but we believe that we are better together with every life-giving ministry and church in our community. Someone said amen. amen. And so we give approximately a third to foreign missions, a third to other ministries, and a third to serve locally right here in our community. And so we give systematically every single month. Uh, there hasn't been a year for many years that we haven't given over $100,000 a year to other ministries, other missions, or to the meet the cause of mission in our community. But we also give spontaneously. We also give spontaneously. We believe that God wants us to have an abundance, abundance for every good work. And so a couple of months back, I got a call from a missionary. He needed $5,000 to build a church in Africa. He said a church would seat about 200 people. He said, at the moment we put this, they call it a tabernacle. The moment we put it up, he said, uh, there'll be hundreds of people that'll be gathered in that building to worship Jesus every week. And so I, I just was touched in that moment. I believe that God called us to do it. And so right at that moment, I said, we'll give you $5,000. So we gave spontaneously to a need. There are times that God puts it on your heart to spontaneously give to someone else. To maybe to take care of a lunch, to buy a cup of coffee, to just meet a need, maybe even anonymously. They don't, nobody even needs to know that you meet that need. Recently, there was a, an opportunity for me to meet a need. It was a fairly large need, and I just felt like I, I needed to do it. And so I gave another person the money to give to that person as an ad anonymous donor. I was able to give spontaneously because I believe that God wants me to have an abundance for every good work. But then we also give sacrificially. Systematically, we give systematically, we give spontaneously, and we give sacrificially. Sacrificial giving here at City Church, about uh, two years ago, we purchased this property. We knew that uh, our other campus over uh, on the other part of uh, Sanford, we knew that we were going to sell that building. And we have a school called City Church Academy that we needed to bring this school over to this campus. And so back in March of this year, we stood before you as a congregation and we challenged you to, to help us raise the next generation. And sacrificially, above our tithe, this local church, over the last six months, you've given over $310,000 to raise the next generation. Can you give God a great big hand? Really cool here. I want you to see what Jesus does, though, in verse number 41. And when he had taken the five loaves, just this little bit, he took the five loaves and the two fish. 
he looked up into heaven and he blessed and he broke the loaves and he gave them to his disciples before he set them he set before them and the two fishes he divided among them all he took it and he blessed it he blessed it we bless by living with an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving. We bless by living open-handed. We bless by being thankful no matter what station or place of life, any resource that God has given to us, we recognize it as from the hand of God. We're thankful. We're thankful in the little. We're thankful for the large. No money. My wife and I entered a marriage 30 years ago. No resources. A sleeping bag on the floor, selling wedding presents so we could put food on the table. And I remember, I remember so clearly when the offering plate came, I was so grateful, so thankful for what Christ gave, has done for me. Giving back to God was never an issue. It was never an issue. Every little bit that God is giving, I recognize that it is from God. The Bible says, for it is the, it is the God himself who gives us the power the power to obtain wealth so that we can establish his kingdom on the earth. So that we can live to give to be a blessing to others. And here's the thing. Only what you give can be multiplied. Only what you give can be multiplied. It's never about the size of the gift. It's always a matter of the heart. Are you grateful? Are you thankful? Paul the Apostle said, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. And then look what happens here. Jesus blesses it. Jesus blesses it. And he begins to distribute it. Then verse number two, 42. And they all ate and were filled. And they took up their 12 baskets full of fragments and of fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. They all ate. They were all filled. They were all satisfied. And there was an abundance for every good work. 12 disciples, 12 tribes, 12 baskets. 12 disciples, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to meet your need. I'm going to supply for you. I'm going to give you an abundance so you can take care of and meet the needs of your brother and sister. I'm going to supply for you. I'm going to meet your needs so that you can share for those who share with those who've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mentioned earlier, for 18 years, we've been a supporter of Teen Challenge. And I want you to hear the testimony of a young man. I, Thursday, I was able to, I was honored with several people from our church to attend the Teen Challenge Banquet. Uh, their Sanford location is over off of Airport Boulevard and Sanford, uh, uh, Sanford Road. And, and I heard a story of a young man. His name is Joshua. And I want you to welcome Joshua to the City Church platform as he tells his story of God's grace in his life. Joshua. Man, leading that choir, great job, buddy. So proud of you. Why don't you tell us, tell us what God has done in your life? Um, 
God's just done a number in my life. Um, I grew up in a church um, um, similar to this one. Uh, my mom instilled a lot of values in me growing up. Um, God-like values, Christ-like values, um, and raised me that way. But on the other hand, I had a father who was verbally abusive um, and kind of instilled the negative values in me. So there was that tug um, and that struggle growing up, and, and, it, and it caused doubt in my heart. It caused me to, to not really trust God and have a lot of distrust towards him. So I blamed him for it, um, and going through life, I decided to, you know, start to get high and, and take that lifestyle, the party lifestyle, and it just led me down the wrong road. So that was the beginning to it, definitely. Yep, and so you ended up, how did you end up in Teen Challenge? Um, after numerous times going to jail and, and, and kind of going down that road, I decided to really have to change my life and do something. I mean, my mom was the ultimatum, said you either get out of the house or go to Teen Challenge, so that's, that's easy, I'm gonna go to Teen Challenge. Um, and, and once I got there, it was, it was one of those things where because I grew up in the church, I thought I had it all figured out, and I thought it would just be a few months and I'd be back on my feet and be able to survive, but God had other plans, and um, I, I relapsed in the program after about six months, and went back home to South Florida where I'm from and got into a near fatal car accident, um, got behind the wheel and almost didn't make it, airlifted to the hospital. And, and God was just showing me, you can't do this without me, Josh. You, you need to surrender. Come so on. I decided to come back. I've been here 10 months, going to graduate my 12th. And, and God's just shown me so much through this process. I love what you said. When you're, when you're ready to surrender, to give it all, when you give, your, your brokenness, your lack, you give it to him. And look what God has done in your life over this last year. Come on. Amen. So proud of you, Josh. Thanks, buddy. So what do we have to give to God today? What do we have to give to him? Well, we can give him our talents, our abilities. We can serve other people. We've made it really practical and really easy. On November 18th, we're going to be distributing flyers. Uh, the, that following Sunday, the 19th, we're going to invite the community to come to City Church, and we're going to distribute hundreds of food bags from this church, as we do every year. Come on, amen? And so you have an opportunity to participate and to serve. You can take a bag, and you and your family can fill that bag. And then, as Pastor Glenn mentioned, we're going to take one day of our wage, or whatever wage. I'm going to challenge every family, every individual, as God's grace enables you to give one day wage, to take that little and watch it become much as the hearts and lives of other people around the world are impacted because of your generosity. I want to I pray over you this morning. And You're here today and you don't know Christ. This Jesus, you hear the story of these men that are here today. There are so many around not only this community and this church, but around the world that have that same story bringing their brokenness and turning to God and watching him take their lives and turn it into much. You're here today and you don't know Christ. You don't know Jesus. He loves you. He gave his life for you. You just say, Pastor, today I'm ready to surrender my life to him. If that's you, maybe you're like Josh and you knew about him, but you were far from him. Today you're in this room on the count of three. You're ready to give your life back to Jesus. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on in in this room right now. See that hand? Come on, anyone else? This is your moment between you and God. Amen. Can everyone just pray with me? Lord Jesus, can everyone say, Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of your grace. Thank you for the compassion you've showed me. I ask, Lord Jesus, as you come into my life, forgive me my sins. I recognize today that I can't do this without you. I need you to forgive me and to give me a life of hope in your name. Amen. Amen. 
Father, you see every person that's here today. God, they've been challenged. They've been challenged to serve you, to give their little, the time, their talents, their treasures, to bring it back to you. God, I speak your blessing over them today. I ask this in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Amen.